From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Thanks so much for tuning in. Coming up on this Thursday edition, it's official. The Republicans have secured enough seats to take the House majority in the 118th Congress. Now, with that news came this news. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hours come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. That was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi this afternoon announcing she would not seek a leadership position in the next Congress. Now, that sets off a fight among Democrats for the leadership positions, a fight that actually might eclipse the internal battle that's currently taking place among Republicans. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Also, with the Republicans now taking control of the House, stand by. In the 118th Congress, this committee will evaluate the status of Joe Biden's relationship with his family's foreign partners and whether he is a president who is compromised or swayed by foreign dollars and influence. That was Congressman James Comer earlier today. He will chair the Government Oversight Committee in the 118th Congress. Now, I'm sure this will be just the first of many investigations. What I'm not sure about is will the media cover the Republican investigations into President Biden like they did the Democrats' investigations into President Trump. We'll talk about that with Congressman Pat Fallon, a member of the House Oversight Committee, in just a moment. And speaking of the election, a key component of the congressional wins in some states like California and New York were so-called ballot harvesting efforts by conservative churches. We'll talk about it with the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel. And Democrat Senate leader Chuck Schumer was on the Senate floor this morning pledging to move heaven and earth, or should I say hell and earth, to get his same-sex marriage bill passed. While some may want to delay, delay this process, make no mistake, there's no stopping this bill from final passage. As I said a moment ago, as I said a moment ago the question of passage is not about if, but when. Really? No chance of stopping it? Who was he challenging? But the 12 Republicans who consented to this attack on religious freedom and parental rights are being confronted with reality. Multiple members have brought amendments and said, let's fix it. And yet they're being told over and over again, no amendments. We're not going to fix it. You know what that tells me? These are not mistakes in the drafting. This was purposeful. That was Oklahoma Senator James Langford yesterday on the Senate floor. We'll get an update from FRC's Travis Weber a little bit later in the program. Have you ever wondered what cities like San Francisco, these big blue cities, did with the millions of dollars given to them as a part of Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan? Well, try this. Stimulus payments for transgender residents. That's right. The federal money apparently enabled the city to launch a program to pay transgendered residents $1,200 a month for 12 months. Now, priority, of course, is given to transgender people who are also black, indigenous, or people of color, as well as the undocumented and those engaging in the sex trade. You, you, you can't make this stuff up. This is Joe Biden's America. We'll talk with Jonathan Keller, president of the California Family Council, later here on Washington Watch. A lot to cover. And if you miss any of it, you can find it all later at TonyPerkins.com. 
Our word for today comes from Hosea 9, verse 1. Do not rejoice, O Israel, with joy like other peoples, for you have played the harlot against your God. You have made love for hire on every threshing floor. Some Bible scholars speculate they were rejoicing over an alliance or treaty in which they thought would secure their future. But God says you were wrong. Judgment is coming. But why? Israel wasn't doing anything that the surrounding nations were not doing. Were doing. In fact, the nation that would take them captive was an idolatrous nation too. So why were they being punished and the others not? They were God's people. He had given them the law, not to kill their joy, but to secure it. God's tolerance for and reaction to what they were doing would be different because they were different. They knew better. The same is true for Christians today. We know better. We know what is right and wrong regardless of what the world declares. We not only have the entire Word of God, but we also have the Holy Spirit. If Israel was held to account, what does that say for us? To join our journey through the Bible, visit TonyPerkins.com. Republicans on the House Oversight Committee released a report today alleging that despite claiming otherwise, President Biden was actively, actively involved in international business dealings with his family. The report claims they uncovered evidence of a conspiracy to defraud, wire fraud, violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, money laundering, and tax evasion. What else does the report indicate? And is this just the first of many investigations to come? Joining me now to discuss this and more, Congressman Pat Fallon, who serves on the House Armed Services Committee and the House Oversight Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Fallon, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Um, With the Republicans now securing the House, it is clear the Republicans will have leadership of the various committees, including the House Oversight Committee. That means investigations will be forthcoming. Tell us about the report that was released today and what's next. You know, Tony, it really was a bombshell report, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how the mainstream media handles it because they're not going to like it. So really, the, you know, there's, a, there's a lot to this, and we are going to go where the evidence leads us. This isn't any kind of witch hunt. This isn't a waste of time. We need to know for certain, is Joe Biden, uh, the president of the United States, is he a security risk, believe it or not? Is his son a security risk? Are they corrupt? And there are all the ingredients of corruption. So we are going, you know, that's why we need to investigate and get people to testify under oath. So what we do know is this. In 2019, Joe Biden said that his, he had no idea, no earthly idea what his son was doing with his business deals. He never met any of his business partners, et cetera. So Joe Biden himself, Tony, built this firewall. Then what we do find out is he actually, in, 2000, in uh, February 2014, he met with Miguel Velasco and Miguel Magnani, who were two of Hunter's business associates. And he actually took them, and there's a picture of them in the White House, Brady uh, briefing room. So that wasn't true what he just said in 2019. But but not only that, he, he was on a video conference call email showed with Carlos Slim, the Mexican billionaire. And then in uh, April of 2015, he had a dinner in, with, in Cafe Volato in D.C. with Hunter's associates from Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and Russia. So Joe Biden lied to the American people when he was running for president. Now, Tony, it, it leads to and begs the question, why did he lie about it? Um, I, you know, I don't want to be dismissive of lying, but we, we actually, that's, we get a lot of that 
uh, from them <laughs> on, on a number of things. I, I'm, 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 I'm being serious. I mean, they lie about everything. We've seen what they've been lying about their policies and all of that. But I want to go back to what you said about is the president a national security risk? I, explain that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say because we've got whistleblowers that have come forward and talked to the oversight Republicans and said that from 2017 onward, Joe Biden and Hunter, well, and Hunter Biden made it clear that Joe Biden was going to run for president. And if they did business with Hunter, that uh, they would reap the rewards of a Biden administration. That is clear corruption. That is uh, something way, well outside of uh, the law. And let's also, nobody is disputing several things here. Hunter Biden was broke and had a lot of personal issues before his father was vice president. And then magically, he becomes a multi-millionaire in, in areas he had no experience in at all. International uh, commerce, cobalt, natural gas, other energy deals. Why would people be so eager to do business with Hunter Biden? It begs the question, was there a direct quid pro quo. We've got people that have come forward and said there was. So we got to put them under oath and then ask them those questions again. And if there is the illegal activity that took place, which, as you said, they're not being forthright about, and there's evidence to suggest that, that would open the president up to potentially blackmail, which could exactly. result in even further damage to American security. Can you imagine, you know, the Chinese... Um, if, if the Chinese had successfully and or have they successfully imp, uh, infiltrated the Biden family, think about what it, it makes a lot of sense in some of the policies, because Joe Biden is very soft on China. I mean, he met with Xi, Xi Jinping and he didn't even ask him about fentanyl at all. We lost 80,000 Americans to fentanyl last year and he didn't even mention it. Now, there's something else, Tony, called a suspicious activity report. Okay, this is when financial institutions, let's just say, for instance, uh, you deposited $193,000 in cash. Now, I'm just taking, make, picking that figure out of the air. That's odd. That's suspicious. It may not be illegal, but it's suspicious. So they have to then fill out one of these star reports. And then the auditors come in. And financial institutions don't want to have to do this, but they also want to follow the law. And if you have, you might, uh, Byron Donalds is a congressman from Florida, a dear friend of mine, and he's a financial expert, has been in the, in the industry for decades. He said that an average person probably won't ever get a star filed on them in their life. And if you do, it'd be one. The Biden family has had 150 filed against them. And we were always, as members of Congress, able to look at any star. But Biden changed the rules when he became president. So, again, begs the question, Tony, why did he do that? Wow, that uh, that is odd. You mentioned at the top of this that... Um Will the media cover this? And, and that was a question I asked. The, the media was sure. all over the Democrat Congress investigation of President Trump. I mean, that was wall-to-wall news coverage, you know, the <laughs> right. Russian hoax. There was, I mean, it was just one after another during his entire four years. Will the media cover this? Well, you know, they're going to be forced to. There was a lot of media in the press conference today. Um, now, they might try to spin it and say, oh, the Republicans are just going to op open up a witch hunt, what have you. This is necessary. We're not saying definitively right now that uh, we have we've, we have strong suspicions, but we don't have definitive, you know, take them to court and, you know, reach a burden of, um, you know, reach that burden where you could get a conviction, right. you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. But 
we very well may. And again, there's all the ingredients for this. And to, to not hold President Trump, and you made a good point, Tony, and thanks for mentioning it. He's the most investigated person probably in human history, okay, for the last four years. And what do they find? They have nothing. They have bumpkiss. And they just continually go after the poor guy. So we're not going after – this has nothing to do with Donald Trump. And this has everything to do with Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, Jill Biden, and Joe Biden. Uh, you know, and he had, nothing, he had nothing to do with his son's business dealings, and yet there's an email from off Hunter's laptop requesting a key to his office for Jim, Jill, and his dad, Joe. Why would he do that if he wasn't working with his father? Yeah, I think the American people deserve to know. Uh, very quickly, we're up against a break. I assume this is just the first of many investigations, given what we've seen in the last two years. Yeah, I believe that uh, Fauci... Uh, I don't even want to say doctor in front of it, <laughs> Mr. Fauci. Mr. Science. Uh, well, yeah, Mr. Yeah, all Mr. Science. When you mix politics with medicine, you get Dr. Fauci. Um, we're going to probably be looking into him. Um, also, Alejandro Mayorkas might as well get a parking space right by the Rayburn building because he's going to face impeachment hearings because it's been a gross dereliction of duty. And uh, the Oversight Committee is going to be asking him lots of questions as well. All right. Well, we'll be standing, standing by for the 118th Congress. Congressman Fallon, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Tony. God bless. All right. Have a great Thanksgiving. Coming up, we learned yesterday this lame duck session is one we cannot ignore, ignore as uh, they advance this attack on religious freedom and parental rights through this so-called Respect for Marriage Act. We're going to give you an update after the break. Travis Weber joins me in studio. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back. Good to have you with us on this uh, Thursday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, we've, uh, we've discussed this, the Republicans will control the House of Representatives in the next 118th Congress. Now, that begins January the 3rd, but until then, we have a lame-duck session in progress. Now, some say, what's a lame-duck session of Congress? It's lame, for one. Uh, It's a very, very, very dangerous period of time. Uh, You know, having been here at FRC now, going on my 20th year, I've seen uh, really probably two or three periods of time, but one most significant back in 2010 when the Republicans took control of the House last time. Uh, On the way out, see, what you have at this two-month period, you have a group that is not coming back, all right? They're going to either some are retiring, they've been uh, defeated in their elections, and so they're voting on policy that is going to affect the country going forward but they're not going to be held accountable for it. And that's what we actually saw yesterday in the Senate. I th- uh, roughly half, I think it was six, of those who uh, voted to, uh, other, I, I say, let me rephrase that, six of the re- 12 Republicans who voted for this so-called Respect for Marriage Act are retiring. They're not coming back. And so they've launched this attack on religious freedom and parental rights. So the next... Uh, I'm going to give you an update here in just a moment on uh, where that stands. It's not over, okay? It's not over. And you've got to be involved in this. I'm telling you, there is so much at risk here. So if you want to join us in protecting religious freedom and our children from this indoctrination that we've seen over the last seven years in public school classrooms, then I need you to text the word DUCK, D-U-C-K, to 67742. That's 67742, the word DUCK. We'll get you a link. That way you can communicate with your two senators. We need you to contact them because right now this game is in the Senate. And uh, they will vote on this after Thanksgiving. We were able to, uh, our allies in the Senate, doing all that they can to buy more time so that you can speak to uh, your senators and convince them not to be a part of this attack on religious freedom. Joining now to to talk about this, give us the latest, is Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs. Travis, welcome back. Thank you, Tony. 
All right. Uh, so just f- as a refresher, give us the uh, we're going to focus on the 12 Republicans. Who, who were the 12 Republicans? Yeah. So we've got Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Joni Ernst, Roy Blunt, Tom Tillis, Rob Portman, Mitt Romney, Richard Burr, Shelley Moore Capito, Cynthia Lummis, Dan Sullivan and Todd Young, who all voted in support of this bill. OK, so if, if you missed that, it's at Tony dot com. But it was very clear by senators. I played a clip of Senator Langford earlier that the so-called protections for religious freedom are they're they're fake. Yeah, I mean, it's very sad, you know, looking at what they try to claim is protection for religious freedom. It it lists off uh, educational institutions, religious institutions, but then says only in the solemnization or performance of a marriage, merely performing them in these places, the only thing protected. I mean, this is aside from the point, this is already constitutionally protected. So it's they're trying to say this is religious freedom. It's not religious freedom, as we've discussed, leaves out individuals, businesses and all these entities in the context of anything else that violates their belief that marriage, this is not marriage. So it's a fluid process, but give us the status as best as we know right now. Yeah. So as best as we know, Senator Mike Lee is doing a great job explaining this is unacceptable. This does not protect religious freedom. So he's trying to say, hey, let me help you protect religious freedom in this bill. Uh, as he works on this, we, we might see uh, more of a, a delay in the process. And, and people in this at this time, we can still make a difference. People can still let their senators know they need to see this fixed with Senator Lee's uh, provisions and, and the way he would want to see this fixed. Um, and, and until that process works its way out, the game is not over. At some point, though, we're going to see a final vote on the bill um, or, or an attempt to, to salvage it with this religious liberty amendment. So, so, folks, what um, Senator Lee is attempting to do is to say to his Republican colleagues, look, don't vote on the next vote. There'll be another vote on this bill, another 60-vote threshold vote. And he's saying, don't vote for this until my amendment, which we have worked with him on his amendment, it is pretty much watertight when it comes to religious freedom, both for institutions and individuals. doesn't make the bill a good bill, but it does protect religious freedom. Here's the deal. I don't think the Democrats will go for it because they don't want to protect religious freedom. And that's what Senator Langford said on the floor is that this was not an oversight. This is intentional. And and that's why we have to have these protections. So you need to talk with your senators and tell them not to vote for this bill until Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, his amendment is adopted in the Senate. And by the way, uh, I would encourage you to be praying for Senator Lee. I, I've, I've talked with him multiple times. Uh, this, is a, this, this is a real spiritual battle that's, that raging, is raging over this issue. Yeah, because, Tony, there's a lot that hangs on the protection of religious freedom. And we have some leaders who want to stand up and hang the mantle of that over their shoulders, and they're really undermining it. And that's what we're seeing. Do, every, like, like Senator Tillis in North Carolina is one. Yeah. I'm going to call out names. And... and, and <laughs> Him and others have said, uh, we're protecting it. They're really not. They're undermining it. They're actually discarding it and throwing a lot of people under the bus in the process who need this protection. And, and I will tell you, I, I am shocked. And I'm not going to say anything publicly. I haven't said privately. I, I'm, I'm really disappointed in uh, Senator Roy Blunt, a uh, longtime friend. In fact, the the, uh, the chair, my, you know, he was one of the first chairs of uh, the, the, the VAT uh, committee as he came over from the House to the Senate uh, I've worked with him for years since I uh, actually for 20 years. Yeah. Very disappointing because he 
he has been a, um, a a defender of these things. So this is this is very shocking. This is a values issue. It's a values vote, and you cannot uh, support this bill and claim to support values. Yeah. So folks, you really need to weigh in on this. This is, you know, we don't. For those who listen, you know that we don't. Uh, we, we we're not chicken little here. We we don't run around screaming the sky is falling. And you can go back and you can look at our track record when we've issued a warning. Uh, it has been legitimate and it's been right on target. Probably the only way, the only time we've fallen short is maybe we were not as uh, precise in the timing. It's actually happened quicker. The decline has happened quicker than we uh, projected. You've got to weigh in on this. Travis, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Again, text the word DUCK to 67742, DUCK to 67742, so you can help us defend religious freedom and parental rights. Coming up next, churches, conservative churches doing ballot harvesting efforts made the difference in places like New York and California. We're going to be joined by the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee next. Don't go away. We're back with more right after this. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. Uh, I know sometimes we get caught up in the uh, the jargon here of D.C. We mentioned VAT. That's the Values Action Team. That's the committee uh, that both the House and the Senate have those that focus on values issues. And I mentioned uh, Senator Blunt uh, brought the VAT concept, the Values Action Team concept that we had in the House, over to the Senate, which was 
what made his vote yesterday extremely disappointing. All right. It took a week and a half, but the House of Representatives was officially called for the Republican Party yesterday. So after any election, it's always wise for a party to assess its performance. What went well? Where can improvements be made? What, was, uh, what were the winning messages? Well, joining me now to talk about this and more is uh, Rana McDaniel. She is the chair of the Republican National Committee. Rana, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me, Tony. So finally, it took a while, but the, uh, the race was called and the Republicans now have enough seats to claim control the majority in the 118th Congress. Your reaction to that? Yeah, we finally have enough seats. There are still seats that we don't have the results for in California and Colorado. But we did retire Nancy Pelosi, and she actually just said today she's not going to seek leadership. This is the outcome we intended. And we now have a check on Joe Biden uh, in the House of Representatives, and you're already seeing them get to work with this investigation of President Biden and some of the financial interests he had with his son that compromised, it looks like, his, his interest in our, and maybe our country that we need to get to the bottom of. So this is great. It's great news. And we took back the House. Rana, I've been saying since election night when we saw these results that we are a divided nation. We're, we're, we're clearly yeah. divided. When you look at these races, and what that means in part is that every vote counts. I mean, some of these races, as you said, are still being counted. We've just gotten enough seats to uh, the Republicans have gotten enough seats to uh, take the majority in the House. But there's still races that are outstanding. And many of them are just being decided by a handful of votes. What were some of the difference makers in these close races? Well, Tony, you you hit on it. You know, after after 2020, we saw a shift in how people voted and Democrats became more mail in and, and early voting and ballot harvesting. And Republicans really wanted to only vote on Election Day. And that's an issue because if they have a month to harvest votes and we say, oh, we want to hold everything to Election Day, it makes it harder for operatives to go turn out the vote on Election Day. So in states like California, where they've had ballot harvesting and the Republican Party has trained voters, yes, we do have to ballot harvest. We have to compete with the Democrats. The only way we can is if we're doing this day in and day out for the whole time they are, we can win. And that's where you see a big win like Mike Garcia in a Dem district, right? And you see a big win um, like Young Kim and Michelle Steele and maybe Duarte. So we have to be doing these things long term. But we do have people in our party still saying, oh, don't vote any other day but Election Day. And we've got to get past that mindset because Democrats are getting a big head start. Well, we've seen it because we were helping some of the churches in California that going back to 2018 and then into 2020, doing the ballot harvesting. And so churches... Uh, they, they they don't use ballot harvesting. They, they do ballot collecting uh, just as they would the offering because it is it's a sacred trust that we have as Americans. And it's done all within the confines of the law. But as you point out, that made a significant difference in in California, New York. There's about 13 states that allow, you know, someone other than a designated person related to the person casting the ballot to to collect it. So. Is this a strategy you think Republicans will use going forward? Well, I'm against ballot harvesting as a person. I think chain of custody is critical. But in the states where that's the law, we have to we have to do it, too, where the Democrats are. So Montana, we do it very well. Oregon, some other states. 
Um, I'm not a lawmaker. I'd say state lawmakers should have voter ID, get rid of ballot harvesting, and try and condense the election period. Uh, we should probably vote on one day, election yeah. day, not have an election month. But where they have it, we have to do it, and we've got to get good at it. I, I think the best way to get the election back, as you pointed out, I agree with you 100 percent. We ought to have an election day, not election month. Uh, we should have people casting their ballots if they have a legitimate reason that they can't get to the poll, make yeah. accommodations for that. But the best way to get there is use the rules that many of the Democrats have set up, because if you get better at it than they are, they'll want to get rid of it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's what happened in California. Tony, you're exactly right. In 2018, we lost all these House races. All the results were trickling in. Young Kim lost three weeks after the election, right? This year, it's different. And why is that? We're actually picking up seats as the vote totals go on because we figured it out. And we have to do that. And, you, and you're right. The Democrats are probably going to throw that out and find some new law. Um, but we have to use the laws on the books. We have to use it like they are. And I do think we've got to get away from only vote on Election Day. Don't vote early. You know, I was telling people, go vote, go vote early in person, vote absentee, right. and then sign up to be a poll watcher. Right. We need everybody to do everything. I, I, I did the same thing. Uh, I voted early and encouraged people to do so. So, number one, that they're free to vote, uh, are free to engage in the process by being a poll watcher on uh, election day. And you never know what could happen that might prevent you from from voting. Uh, Rana, we're up against a break. Can you stick around for two minutes? Because on the other side of the break, I'd really like to ask you about messaging. What were the winning messages sure. in this election? Because I think some people will be surprised. Those that were well at messaging on some of these issues that have long been central to the Republican Party did quite well. So we'll come back and talk about that after the break. Folks, again, uh, I want to encourage you be involved in this lame duck session of Congress. We need your voice. These next two months are going to be critical as you have unaccountable lawmakers, in some cases, enacting policy that you're going to have to live with and your children. So text the word duck to 67742. That's the word duck, D-U-C-K, to 67742. You'll get a link, follow it over, contact your two senators, and we'll keep you apprised of what's happening in this lame duck, even while you're eating turkey. Okay. All right, don't go away. We're back with more Washington Watch right after this. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? 
Just text STAN to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAN to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Good to have you with us on this Thursday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. My guest is the chair of the Republican National Committee, Rana McDaniel. Rana, thanks so much for uh, for sticking around. Um, by the way, I, I just want to commend you on, on the work on encouraging and promoting um, poll watching, which really brought back a sense of confidence into the election as people had a greater sense that their ballot was going to be secure and it was going to be counted. That combined with what we saw in about two dozen states with voter reform efforts, I think, really helped uh, keep the turnout up. Oh, thank you, Tony. I think it was critical that this is the first time the RNC has been able to do this in 40 years. So we actually had poll workers and poll watchers that we've recruited and again, that helps people feel comfortable voting early because they know we have people at the absentee counting voting centers watching their ballots. And this is part of people feeling safe and, and that the, the election's fair and transparent. So we want to continue this. This is going to be critical a critical role for the RNC going forward. I think it was huge. Let, let's talk uh, a little bit about messaging because there were some that said, and I'm going to jump right into it. Some said that the uh, in the post-Dobbs world, where all of a sudden Republicans uh, were forced to talk about abortion, that that was a uh, that was a liability for Republicans, and, and no question about it. I think it did fuel the younger vote, the 18 to 24 vote, that combined with the president pledging to eradicate their student debt, that that fueled them to turn out. But Republicans who understood this message of life we're really able to use that, I think, to their benefit. And I, I, let, me, I, let, me re, let me rephrase that. I, I, I don't mean to say they were using it, but they were able to take it and not, it was not a negative for them. It was a positive because they articulated a pro-life position. Yeah, so we've been a pro-life party for a long time, and then suddenly we get the overturn of Roe v. Wade and returning it back to the states. But we didn't have that muscle memory to talk about why we're pro-life. 
And then you had Democrats putting millions and millions of dollars basically in lies and scare tactics trying to make this this the big issue. And I think candidates who stuck their head in the sand and, and didn't address the issue at all, it, it didn't do, do good for them. But candidates who said, yeah, I'm pro-life, I'm proud to be pro-life. But look at the Democrats. Therefore, uh, due date, gender-selected abortions. They, they're fine if your daughter or my daughter uh, doesn't exist just because she's a girl or, or a, a, a young woman. Uh, that's where you put them on the defensive, that they have no limits. And then you talk about other issues as well. And candidates who were able to put the Democrats on the defensive did well. But Democrats were going to make it an issue no matter what. And it wasn't something that we could ignore. And it was a great opportunity to talk about being pro-life and how proud we are of that. You know, speaking of the party platform, I was just talking about this a moment ago. We had 12 Republican senators voted yesterday to move forward on the misnamed Respect for Marriage Act, which directly contradicts the Republican Party's official platform. I know that the court in Obergefell redefined marriage, but the party platform's been pretty clear on this. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I haven't seen all the legislation, but I, it's concerning to me, too, on the li religious liberty front. And uh, but I've heard from some other legislators who are deeply concerned that in the name of doing a couple other things uh, that weren't really urgent, uh, we might be stripping away religious liberties. And that's really frightening that these protections were not ingrained in this in this bill and really will weaken and erode religious freedom. So I think yeah. we, we need to be on the lookout for that. I don't know if there's anything that can be done. I think it's in the House today, and well, then we'll go back to the Senate. Senator, Senator Mike Lee is still working on trying to get his colleagues to support a, a real amendment to the bill that would protect those religious liberties, as you talked about, and, and uh, he's been a stalwart on religious liberty. It, but it not only is it religious liberty, it also is an attack on parental rights, which, by the way, is an area that we saw great success in this election as parents got involved trying to protect their children from indoctrination. Uh, Ron, I want to thank you. You've been very generous with your time. Always great to see you. And again, just want to uh, commend you uh, for your leadership at the, uh, the RNC. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having me. All right. Good to see you. I, I tell you, Party platforms matter, all right? Some would say, well, what difference does it make? Well, you just saw we have a party plat. There's a party platform for Republicans that you can hold Republicans accountable to. Now, does that mean that they, they, they're not bound by it? But over the last 40 to 50 years, we find that uh, lawmakers adhere to their party platforms about 80% of the time, somewhere between 75 and 80% of the time. There's been a study done on it. And... It really does tell you the priorities of the party. They're, the, the contrast between the two, quite frankly, is absolutely amazing. And you should look at them. We have some resources that, that do a contrast, provide a contrast to show you, a comparison, I should say, between the two party platforms. You can go to frcaction.org, and it's under the uh, resources. Okay, uh, I want to move on, because this is quite the story from California. Now, I know it's California. Um, but the ultra-left city of San Francisco announced this week that it plans to begin a monthly stimulus program exclusively for transgender residents. That's the only way you can get it, $1,200 a month for 18 months. Now, Mayor London Breed announced that the city is accepting applications for what it calls the Guaranteed Income for Trans People Program, GIFT. The program will provide 55 transgender residents with $1,200 a month for up to 18 months. Where do we even begin with this? Joining me now to talk about this from the state of California, 
Jonathan Keller. He's the president of the California Family Council. Jonathan, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. It's always good to be with you. I, I know it's it seems like this is more and more frequent as things just get crazier and crazier, but that's how it is, especially out of San Francisco. So uh, th this was not uh, this was not the Babylon Bee. This is for real. No, that's absolutely correct. And I really do wonder if this is even legal in some cases. I mean, obviously, it is a gift, but we are specifically talking about for the fact of how much the love the left loves to talk about non-discrimination. You have in this case them explicitly discriminating against everybody who does not identify as transgender. If I mean, frankly, if I was a a person who lived in poverty in the city of San Francisco and I was struggling to make ends meet, maybe I was only down to a couple dozen dollars in my bank account. And my next door neighbor says, oh, wow, this is so great. Look, I just got this new payment from the city of San Francisco. I'm not going to have to lose my apartment. I'm not going to have to have my electricity shut off. I'm not going to have to move out of my house and live on the street. If I found out that the only reason I couldn't get that was because I don't identify as transgender, I mean, I would be offended. And I really do think that this is a horribly misguided and short-sighted policy. And it's just another example of the craziness of the left putting sexual identity, gender identity, at the forefront of everything and saying that this is how we should literally choose how we are going to give people, in some cases, necessary funds to keep them from being homeless. Yeah, this is not the uh, the first program of its type for San Francisco. Back uh, during COVID, they did uh, did this for uh, artists, you know, pe people who you know, weren't able to make a living because they were an artist. Uh, they got $1,000 a month for six months. Chicago, uh, the uh, infamous mayor, Lori Lightfoot, uh, she did something similar, uh, rolling out um, a $31 million program to do something with uh, families, just giving them money. Now, here's the, the, we've, we've done some digging in this to see where did this money come from. Now, this particular program is limited to $2 million, just $2 million. Um, they claim that this is from the city's budget. It is not from the American Rescue Funds, which they received $312 million from the Biden administration. But, I mean, look, you don't have to be stupid. You, you just take the money that you had over here, and you don't have to use it for that because you got the $312 million. So this gives them the bandwidth to do crazy stuff like this. So, in essence, this is federal money. That's absolutely right, Tony. I mean, we know all money is fungible. We see it every time when we talk about Planned Parenthood getting over half a billion dollars in funding from the federal government. We know that every dollar they get from the federal government, even if it's not technically supposed to be used for abortions, every dollar gets reallocated, every dollar gets reshuffled, and they can use it however they want. That's the same thing that's happening here. And Tony, another thing that's insane about this, uh, you look at some of the other reporting on this. The application for this money is 10 pages long. It includes uh, between the 
combinations of the pronouns you want to use and the gender identity or gender expression that you're going to use, it includes over a hundred different options and different combinations. Uh, just, just a couple of these, Tony, for your listeners. Uh, some of the identity options that are included as you're applying for this is a gender, someone who believes they do not consider themselves to have a gender, a gender outlaw, someone who refuses to conform to society's expectations of their sex assigned at birth. And my favorite one is, I literally had never heard this until today, xenogender, that's that's with an X, X-E-N-O, xenogender, which is defined as a gender beyond human understanding. Uh, most of this is beyond human understanding, quite frankly. Um, and there's no restrictions on this. I, I'm going to just read a part of what come off, comes off of their website. This, uh, the program will prioritize enrollment of transgender, non-binary, gender, non-conforming, and intersex people who are also black, indigenous, or people of color, uh, BIPOC, uh, experiencing homelessness, living with disabilities and chronic illness, youth and elders, monolingual Spanish speakers, and those who are legally vulnerable, such as TGI people who are undocumented, engaging in survival sex trades, or are formerly incarcerated. So here's the thing. You look at the list of those people, and the bigger picture about this, Tony, that's tragic, those sound like people that are in dire straits. I mean, in particular, the people that are suffering because of sex trafficking and really sexual enslavement. Uh, these are people that desperately do need help and assistance. But the answer is to not create yet another targeted government program that is based on your sexual identity or your gender expression. It's really to look at the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, and the governor of California, who used to be the mayor of San Francisco, Gavin Newsom, and say, what in the world is going on in this state, in this city, that these are the type of desperate situations that people find themselves in? But, I mean, but Jonathan, we know ultimately it's a result of the fall, but this is also a result of horrible policies from these extreme progressive politicians. Right. I, I, I get that. I, and I'm not, not disagreeing with you, but I would take it a step further in that there's a personal there's a level of personal responsibility here and choices that we make as individuals come with consequences and That's right. and we see these negative consequences often with these choices regarding to sex gender and lifestyle all of these things my my concern here with this program is is uh, the enticement aspect that this is enticing people by promoting this transgenderism by rewarding it with money. And, and this becomes a pilot-type program. So what you're doing is you're only making the situation worse. Oftentimes, these things of homelessness, uh, survival, sex trades, are because people have been drawn into this transgender lifestyle. Well, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, we know the most basic and simple principle of economics is uh, that which gets rewarded gets repeated. And if you begin to tell people that instead of addressing these underlying root causes, whether it's sinful behaviors, whether it is drug use, whether it is all sorts of other aspects of a failed and broken system, 
if you said, don't worry about that, you don't have to take, as you said, Tony, personal responsibility. You don't have to maybe reconnect with family members or connect with uh, the church or with other social services that will get you out of this situation and help you to make a better life plan. Well, counseling is illegal. Counseling is illegal yeah. in California for this. That's right. I mean, we're essentially say, why don't we just throw money at the problem and hope that somehow this will assuage the guilt that we feel over right. the horrible, disastrous results of our, our policies? Yeah, good point. Uh, Jonathan, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. And I tell you, I'm going to encourage people to pray all the more harder for folks like you out there in California trying to uh, hold the hold the line. Thank you, Tony. We appreciate the work that you do at FRC. Thanks for praying for us and really appreciate everyone. Uh, Don't let California come to your state. (laughs) (laughs) Good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving. You know, what I thought about when I saw this, I I went to that obscure book that uh, President uh, Obama made reference to, Romans. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which were not fitting. And then you drop all the way down to verse 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. We're enticing people into destructive, deadly choices. I mean, folks, we need to be praying for this nation. When you look at what's happening here in our nation's capital, trying to advance this activist court decision on marriage by putting it into federal law, which becomes a direct tack on religious freedom and parental rights, normalizing this type of behavior. And then we, we see what it's given rise to. It's not just same-sex couples. It's transgenderism. It's, it's just all of this, which runs counter to the truth of God. All right, folks, Pray vote stand. Till next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6. And you know, if Ephesus was a pretty bad place. And he said, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, can't run, can't leave. Got to just keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.